Welcome to Running For Real, a global community with a shared love and curiosity for running. Together we reconnect with the reasons why we love to run and discover ways it helps us become better people. Whether it's the quiet moments of a morning run while the rest of the world still sleeps, or befriending the strangers next to you at the start line of a race. We are here to connect with others who see running as the common thread that weaves our lives together. Come join me, Tina Muir, as I talk with people from all walks of life, united by a love of running. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 305 of the Running Field podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I'm excited that you are here and excited that you get to know our guest. I want to quickly mention before I go into this, we are in June. That means maybe for many of us, we are getting up early to get our runs in. Uh, and it can be quite lonely out there when you are getting up early. If you haven't already tried a together run, these are runs that I release not every Monday during the summer because I cannot record them when it is ridiculously sweaty so the mic would get wet. But I record these runs where I take a microphone with me in my hand. I go for a run. I take us through a body scan. Uh, we touch some element of nature to ground ourselves. We do a census check-in. We check in with our mental health. Um, and then we have a conversation. Now, it sounds weird that I would be having a one-sided conversation, but I promise you it feels like you are running alongside me. And I would really encourage you to give one a try if you haven't already. So you can find those at runningforreal.com. Uh, you can also make sure that you just look through the feed, however you're finding this podcast right now. You can find Together Runs there. Give it a try and let me know what you think. I love seeing photos of you doing it. Those of you who send those all the time, that is just one of my favorite things to see. Thank you so much. Um, and... Uh, for those of you who haven't given it a go, can't wait to hear what you think. Now, today, I want to bring us back to our guest today. Our guest today is Mary Rice Booth, who is a uh, access and equity officer at the uh, Leadership Academy, uh, formerly known as the New York City Leadership Academy. She's also on the board of Marathon Kids, and she's someone that I have been following and interested in for a while. But I recently, on Global Running Day, her post was the first post I saw when I logged in. Now, as you know, you don't get many opportunities. Well, I guess it depends how often you log in, but um, you don't get many opportunities to see a post as you first log in. And for me on Twitter, I saw her standing there and she, I remember it clearly. She was wearing a New York City shirt, a New York City marathon shirt, and she was had this really proud smile on her face. And it was all about her first run back in quite a while. And I was so excited for her, even though I didn't know her and I knew she didn't know me or I thought she didn't know me that I thought, you know what, I'm going to use this as my opportunity. I reached out and I was so excited that she said yes. So today I'm bringing you that conversation. We talk a little bit about coming back from injury, the, the hardships that she's been through uh, to get to this moment. And we talk about using running beyond that and also what we can learn about running that applies to societal issues. It's just a really fun, interesting episode and I'm really excited for you to go meet Mary. So let's have a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right to it. Legacy of Speed follows the transformation of a San Jose State track program in the 1960s. What started out as a second-tier state college no one outside of California had ever heard of, quickly became known as the home to Speed City. The guidance of one coach and his unconventional techniques launched the careers of the fastest sprinters of the day. 
host Malcolm Gladwell, a competitive runner himself and former podcast guest on here, <laughs> traces the journeys of those sprinters who went on to ignite a boycott movement and protest the 1968 Summer Olympics. Malcolm talks to Olympic athletes, sports journalists, performance coaches and documentarians. And you'll hear from some of the best runners of all time, Tommy Smith, John Carlos and Lee Evans. It's a story about athletes who dared to take a stand and the mentors who made them fast enough and brave enough to change the world. Find Legacy of Speed wherever you get your podcasts. Mary, I am so excited to welcome you to the Running For Real podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be fun. And um, I want to start by, uh, I'd admired your work for, for quite a while. And uh, as you know, um, on Global Running Day, you uh, put up a picture saying, I think you said I got cleared to run today. Yes. And... I thought, oh wow, this is my this is my opportunity to ask. So I asked, and you said yes, and here we are. But I would love for you to talk about uh, that. Was obviously a big moment for you, and maybe it was the fact that it was Global Running Day that coincided with it. But for anyone who is in the middle of an injury or in the middle of a, a rough patch, just talk through the the feelings that you had and maybe still have if you'd been missing running, because every runner knows that. And I'd love to begin by that of just that like shared experience that we all have when you get cleared to run again. Yeah. Um, and it was actually like this perfect storm, right? So I had, um, I had a shattered disc, um, in my back, um, Ouch. and had, yeah, exactly. Um, my, my doctor said he didn't know how I was even walking. Um, it was, it was that bad. So I had surgery and it was, um, it was June 1st and it was my follow-up um, appointment with him. And I expected him, he kept saying six months, six months until he'd be able to run again, um, and which would be August. Right. And so I came in June 1st and I'm like, oh, great. I have to come in global running day. And my doctor telling me that you still can't run. Ha ha. Mm -hmm. Um, and he came in and he's just like, oh, it looks good. He's like, and he's like, so you can, you know, go back. I'm like, wait, you're telling me I can run? <laughs> and she's like, well, don't run like a gazelle. I'm like, well, I don't think I've ever ran like a gazelle. <laughs> so <laughs> that means I can go back. What um, does running like a gazelle mean? I'm, I, I'm actually curious. <laughs> right, right. I was like, I don't know. Like, does that mean long strides or like, I don't know. Yeah. I um, wasn't quite sure what he was getting there, but um, I'm like, I, it's okay. I, I can do burn walk that as long as I can do something. And so I think um, for me running and I came into it, you know, later in life. Um, so, and it's definitely been much more about the, the mental and spiritual aspect of running versus physical. Um, and so to be able to kind of have that back in my life, it's something I, I do do this kind of, I like to do it in the morning when with the sunrise. Um, and so it was just, like so exciting um, to be able to say that I have that again. I mean, I've been walking in the morning, but it's just, you know, it's just not the same. Um, and so I was just um, really excited to be able to kind of be back into that space and know that um, I can reconnect with what I have, have, um, have kind of pointed at as a, a big part of who I am and a big part of like what I need in order to get ready for the day and do the work that I do every day. Um, so, um, yeah, so I was really excited. 
did the run end up being what you hoped? Because I feel like sometimes when I build it up, it's a, you're like, oh yeah, this is actually hard. I forgot <laughs> right. right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, and it was funny though, because I had, I had done walking and did a little uh, Peloton in the morning. So I didn't even get, even get a chance to like do a full run that day. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to push it. Um, so I ended up doing the actual full run the next day. Um, and it was, yeah, it was super hard. <laughs> I was yeah. trying to do like, let me do intervals. I'm like, Oh my goodness, I'm out of breath. I thought like, you know, I would be better than this. Um, so, but it was still nice. It was still nice to kind of be out there. Um, and be out at a time that I had kind of gotten like sleeping in late and, um, not been up in the morning as, as, as early. Um, so. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it is funny how those, uh, first runs back, like in your head, you build them up that maybe, maybe that's why he said running like a gazelle. Cause that's what you kind of envision, <laughs> right? You're like, right, on, right. this is amazing. And then it's not, I remember my first run when I, I quit running back in 2016, when I, did eventually run again. Um, and I felt I, I was getting ready to do that first run. I thought it was going to be like, ah. and then it ended up being like, I remember being so flustered. So annoyed at my husband who was with me, like, just go ahead, just go ahead. Um, and I was so mean to him, but you know, cause in my head I'd built up like, this is going to be the best. And it, right. Right. So Sometimes we get ourselves in that way. You said there about how much you need it. And I want to really go into a lot of that, um, how your running helps with the work that you do. And this is a topic we've covered a lot on this podcast about how people doing these really important world roles that are changing important parts of our society and in many ways, making the world a better place, um, use running as that mechanism to help them do the work that they do. So I want to dive into that. But before we get to that, Let's talk about during that injury period, what did you notice in terms of yourself when running wasn't there? Yeah, that was, and, and I wasn't just like, let me walk. Let me be clear. Like from, I, from December to March 2nd, which is when I actually had the surgery, I could barely move. Right. So I was like in, yeah. So I was doing some physical therapy exercises, but like I was spending the majority of my day in bed on my stomach to just to kind of get wow. through the day. Right. So like I was not like, there was no movement happening, um, for me. And it was, I, it definitely got dark. Um, I also like in during work was really hard at that time as well. So yeah. I wasn't able to like the start of my day, that routine was lost. Right. And so, um, it was tough. And I, I think I ended up, um, so something that also added to my routine is journaling. Um, so I started, mm. I was, I used, I journal at night. So I kind of run in the morning journal at night. That's kind of like my bookends, um, to kind of, to, to help me cope with my day and to, to, to kind of keep me grounded. Um, so I started actually adding, journaling more in the morning just to give me something. Um, but this still wasn't the same. So I think I did have to, to be much more like dig deeper into, um, how do I ground myself in the work? And I think I did actually have that time from January, particularly to March, like a lot of the work that I was doing was impacting me more than, than I usually did because I had lost running. 
Um, and so I actually had just had that conversation with my, my boss recently. I'm just like, you know what? I, I'm realizing now that like that the past three months were really hard, but it was particularly hard for me because I didn't have my coping mechanisms that I have had in place and I hadn't quite figured out what the replacement was. Yes, that makes sense. That's something we can definitely all resonate with, especially because uh, we've all been there where we realize what running gives us and, and the peace of mind it provides us with a clarity, I suppose. But mm -hmm. what did you learn during that period? I mean, that is that is crushing to be stuck on your stomach, uh, having hard stuff at work. What did you learn about yourself that's positive during that process? Well, not process, but that time. Um. Well, yeah, I definitely learned that I can do hard things. <laughs> um, um, I think I definitely also learned that um, that as a person, I can easily allow, particularly work, can can to 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 um, prioritize it more than I want to, unless I am very thoughtful about creating creating space and time for myself. Um, and also creating space in my time for for family as well. So I think that was the the biggest learning. And then you know, and dur also during that time, my my son was not happy at school. So I think it was also like this: the, all this stuff was coming together, and just like, how do I um, make sure that I can be present for myself, and so that I can be present for him, so I can be present for school, right? Like it all, like all that, all those pieces, right, connect together. Um, and if one thing is off tilter, right, like it, it, it all, um, it all uh, kind of crumbles down. And so I think that's what I learned was that I had created, I'm a routines person. Um, and so I had created this routine, right? Um, and I didn't realize how much I needed that routine um, in order to kind of keep going. And so therefore I couldn't just not, not have it, right. I had to create a, some type of replacement type of routine, um, in order to be able to, to be as centered as possible, knowing that, um, this is temporary. Right. So I think that's also something I learned about myself is like, I have to like, I not only am a structure, but I'm a goals person too. Um, so like, I needed to know that like, if I can get through this point, right. Um, and, reach the goal of like knowing that this, this is, I will be able to move. I will be able to run again. So what can you do now today, day by day in order to make this day better so that, you know, in, in the long term or in the short term that you, that, um, you can get back to your, your regular routine. Um, so I think those are some of the lessons. I wonder how much of with the work that you do and I mean, a lot of us really, see, I don't even want to include myself in this because I don't feel like maybe I do fall into this, but how much of it you said about routine and you in some ways filled in that routine you said about moving your journaling. So you put that controllable something, I can do something for myself here. Yep. Do you think that is especially important for people who are doing really hard work that is, um, you know, very much fighting an up, uphill battle in your day-to-day -day job. It's very high stress, um, a lot going on. Do you think that makes that routine element even more critical for you at least? Definitely. I think it's a, a, it's a survival mechanism, right? So I think um, I've done a um, recent like 
diving into community organizing because I feel like a lot of my work, a lot of the kind of the skill sets that I leverage is is steeped in community community organizing um, and recognizing how the the longevity, the lifespan of a community organizer is is shortened um, because they they give they go for broke. They give everything that they can to this cause, yeah. um, right? And then they're not then they're not with us anymore, right? Because then they've given everything to the cause, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do you s- still go for, you know, go for broke, um, which one of my favorite phrases to use from, um, and yet still ensure that you're keeping yourself as healthy as possible, right? And so, and keeping present as long as possible, because otherwise, again, the cause is not going to, um, is going to be at a detriment if you're not there. So I think that's that having that structure routine um, also definitely helps. And I think it also helps just because the work is because it's this personal interactions, it's always changing. It's the systems, right? So you, you don't necessarily know what you're going to get day to day, right? You don't definitely know, right. Who you're going to be talking to and how they're going to show up day to day. So the fact that your your work is so unstable, right, and kind of like fluid, I think having routine again um, is um, helpful and keeps keeps me grounded. It keeps me going. Makes sense, definitely. Is there anything before we move on here? I want to dig into the beginning of your story, which is uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear. Is there anything you would tell someone who, I mean, they probably are feeling that sense of what is the phrase where it's like. Um, you f- they're probably feeling guilty for complaining about their injury when they're hearing how rough that was, you know, not being able to even move. Uh, there's a phrase for that. I can't remember what it is. Um, but anyway, for someone listening who is going through an injury, you've just come out the other side of this. They're feeling in the dark place. Any quick words of advice you would give that person? Um, I'm trying to give some of it's not completely cliche-ish, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, but I do, I, I, something that I use in my work as well as I think I try to use personally is like the idea of quick wins, right. And kind of like, what are the, like the small things that I can hold on to, um, that tell me that I'm actually moving forward. Right. Um, so no, I cannot, you know, run straight through for, you know, five, eight miles this morning, but, um, I was able to do, you know, this walk. And for me, literally, like, it was just like, can I make it to, you know, can I, am I able to walk to the bathroom today? Am I able to, to walk, um, and, you know, um, take my son to school today, which is up the block. And like, that was like a big, big deal for me, which I literally like is 0.3 miles, right? Like it's not very far and, you know, but it's like, can I do that today without, with minimal pain? Right. And so if I can find those quick wins today, at least I moved. Um, I think that's, um, that's something. To that's hold great. On to. Yeah. That's really helpful. Let's dig in then to your, to your story. You have an interesting beginning to, uh, how you got into running. Uh, so fundraising, that's not typically something that someone <laughs> would say is, is a reason they got into running. So tell us more. Yeah. Um, and I, I was a high, high school athlete. Right. And so I was able to do a lot of stuff, but I, I, running was more like, like I'm sure as a lot of folks have said, right. Running was kind of like the, what pre what you had to do in order to get to the sport that you liked. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, it was 
2016, 2017, my sister runs a, a nonprofit organization um, and she had a couple of spots for um, charity spots for the New York City um, half marathon that March. Um, and so she reaches out to me maybe 10 weeks before, maybe. <laughs> and she's like, I have a couple of spots. I'm just like, I've never ran a half marathon. I don't want to run a half marathon. I'm like, I do kickboxing. That's what I do. Um, and I said, you know what? T talk to everybody else, you know, and if, you know, nobody else can do it, <laughs> come back. And of course, like a couple of hours later, she's like, okay, you're running. Um, so did she um, actually reach out to other people? I, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> she's, a, she's the older like, sister, right? Yeah, sisters, maybe, maybe <laughs> not so. Yeah. If it was a friend, you'd be like, yeah, they'll try. But I All feel right, like yeah. sister's Right. Yes. If it was me, I, and I'm the older sister. I probably wouldn't have bothered. Like, I'm going to get my sister to do it anyway. Right. Yeah. She's she's a bossy one too. So she probably didn't ask anybody. Um. So yeah. So I had it. I had. There was. I know it was definitely less than a training plan because when I Google training plans, I was like, I don't have. I don't have twelve weeks. I don't have fourteen weeks. I have, so. Um. So I had to adapt the training plan that I found online, um, and also raise raise the money for um, for for her nonprofit organization at the same time. So, um, so yeah, I so I did it. I was like, okay, you know, um, and thankfully there were a couple other folks that she had, um, you know cajoled into doing this that I had known that were actually runners, right? So I'd be like, am I doing this right? What am I doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm just like, why? I have side stitches. What is happening? I have this. What is happening? Um, so at least I had people to talk to. Um, but um, I didn't. It was before they changed the route. So it was like running. I remember running down the West Side Highway, like mile nine or 10. Um, and just like, I can't do this. This is, I'm like, I may need to pull the plug here. Um, but got through it. And that was just um, like being able to say I ran that 13.1 miles was like a huge, like um, huge you know, achievement for me. Right. Like, you know, yeah, I was very sure. excited about it, but I think it was actually the, actual, the process. Right. So now I get it in regards to like the actual those runs in between getting ready for that, that that half marathon was when it's like this is really a really um liberating I'm used to liberating sport like just being able to like run around my and it was a new neighborhood I was running around like running around my neighborhood and just kind of starting my day doing this exercise um and like my mind was just going right like things were just coming up in my, my mind I'm like oh this is kind of like a good thing and I of course I wasn't gonna tell my sister this um <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gonna like let her win that like you convinced me to do this this new sport um but yeah I just really enjoyed the experience and getting ready for it and then obviously um having that achievement at the end and so um so yeah so now when my sister says like you're running again I'm like it's your fault that you um that I I run now so um, and and I sorry if I missed it. Does she run herself? Like she does regularly? not run. No, not at all. Mm, no, that's quite funny, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so do you ever pull the same card with her? now? you should. <laughs> I should, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's like, what can I get her into? We've I've definitely every time she comes and visits. Um, she's still in New York City, um, and I'm here in Texas. Um, so whenever we come and visit, I try to get her to at least walk with me. So yeah, I love that, and I. Quite often hear stories actually of people who someone kind of roped them 
convince them, manipulated them, tricked them, something like that into <laughs> running. And then they were like, wow, this is actually amazing. Um, so I always love hearing those stories because it it is in many ways the message that once you are a runner, you spend you spend your life trying, or maybe not your life, but you spend a lot of time trying to show people like, just give it a chance. Like right, I, I was right. there with you. I know it. I know it's not fun. Um, but it is just give it a chance. And, uh, people always like, ah, oh, I don't know. That doesn't, that sounds boring. Uh, so it's funny how that's how so many of us get our starts. So we must be somewhat convincing if that's the case. Right. Uh, right. in, or in your sister's case, convincing for something she doesn't herself do is <laughs> impressive. Um, okay. So going into that, you, you also mentioned to me that, uh, moving to Texas, uh, your father's death was also a, a part in your running journey. Uh, is there anything you want to share with us there and, and maybe, yeah. Yeah. And I think that probably was the reason why it stuck right for me. Right. So I, so I had, we had moved from New York city to, to Austin. Um, when my sister said, you know, you need to, to run this half marathon in in 10 weeks. So, um, and I, I, I was still working for my, my New York city based organization, right. Which I still do. So I hadn't really met any people. Um, and so it was, it kind of filled up my time, right. Being able to, to take these, um, much longer times to exercise. Right. I usually did like 30 minutes for, you know, an hour in and out. Um, and so taking that extended time until, to, to learning kind of my surroundings was definitely, um, a part of this transition. And now something that I very much tie to when I moved to Texas is when I started, really started this this running experience. Um, And the reason why I moved to Texas was because uh, my father had passed away. Uh, My parents moved to Texas when I left for, to New York city to, um, to go to college. And so my mom was here. Um, My brother was here. And so I kind of had the, had the, the, the job where I could, be flexible. And so, um, moved down to Texas to be closer to my mom. And I think the, my mother always gets mad at me because I'm not like a, I wasn't a outward griever. Right. So I'm not like a, mm-hmm. I'm also not like when I, I'm not like a huge, like communication griever as well. Like I'm not like going to share, um, this is what I'm feeling today, or this is how, you know, this is, um, this is what I thought about dad today. Right. Like, I'm not going to do that a lot, but um, being able to run and have, have my time with him and, and grieve while running, I think was also, was, um, that's a huge part of it. And I think whenever I do races, I always think about him particularly, right? So, um, every race is dedicated to him. Um, so yeah, so I, I definitely feel like running has kind of been part of that grieving process, which I don't think you ever stop grieving. Um, Mm. right. And then also the healing as well. Right. And so like all those emotions tied into has kind of tied into running for me. Was he a runner himself? He was not. Um, so what is it about running? You think that allows you to do that? I think I can, um, I just am able to like clear my head and just think mm-hmm. about him. Okay. I love that. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Like all my memories of him are very crystal mm-hmm. clear when mm-hmm. I'm running. Right. Yeah. Um, like when you're in like 
And I mean, other spaces or interaction, inter other interactions, people's stories about him may come in to my space, right? Or like, right? But like, it's just me and him when, I, when I'm running. Thank you to Paceline for sponsoring this episode of the Running For Real podcast. The Paceline card is the first credit card with cash back powered by your workout data. Yes, that means your runs. Now, I just want to say, even if you aren't running right now, even if you're injured or something is meaning that running is not in your life, anything that gets your heart rate higher than a brisk walk counts towards your 150 minutes. When you hit 150 minutes, you will get up to 5% cash back on health and wellness purchases like your running fuel and your gear. Terms and conditions apply, so you can find out more at paceline.fit. But Paceline believes you should be rewarded for being healthy. And people who are physically active for about 150 minutes per week have an estimated 33% lower risk of all-cause mortality, basically any kind of death, than those who are not active. That's good for you and good for the world. And I want to just mention some of the some of the places where you can get up to 5% cash back. So Trader Joe's, Whole Foods, REI, where we get our running gear, all those purchases, we can get up to 5% cash back. So you can apply for the card by getting more out of your miles by going to download the Paceline uh, app from the app store that you use and use code TINA. You will apply for the card. If you are accepted, you will be able to get that up to 5% cash back. Join me. I am not someone who has a lot of credit cards. I am actually very picky uh, about which credit cards I get. I have very few, actually, I'll be honest. I had two. Now I have three. That's all I've ever had in my life. I really am picky about these and I love this one. I love that just running is giving me that extra bonus. And by the way, there's 3% cash back on everything else. Plus card members can get reimbursed uh, for the latest Apple Watch if you want to use that. And this app works by connecting with your Apple Watch, with your Garmin, uh, so that you don't have to do anything other than logging into the app. So start getting more out of your miles, literally, by applying for the Paceline card today. Make sure you use code TINA when you download the app from the App Store. Go check out paceline.fit for more. I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Beyond that, you also mentioned to me that you use running to do the work that you do every day. Now, uh, you are the, uh, as far as I can tell, unless it's changed recently, the Access and Equity Officer at the NYC Leadership Academy. That's right. Yep. So with that, well, first explain maybe what that is for someone listening. Uh, what is an, an, a New York City Leadership Academy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we did drop the, the New York City. So it's, it's actually the Leadership Academy. Um, so we are in New York, we, but we are New York City based, right? So we are a leadership um, development organization. Um, it's a nonprofit organization that really helps partners with school districts, states, um, or organizations to really say, what does it mean to be a culture responsive leader? And how can I use my leadership to actually create systems, school systems that are in support of students, particularly um, minoritized students. And so that's what we do. I'm a product of that organization. So I went through their training to become a principal. Um, and so, um, and so that's, that's our work. And we work across the country um, with many different districts, um, doing a lot of times it's coaching, training, strategic planning, equity audits, things like that. Um, 
And so a lot of it is for me, a lot of my work is, um, is talking to leaders one-on-one and coaching them one-on-one about like, what is it, how am I showing up in my work every day and how the decisions that I'm making every day may actually be detrimental or counter to what I'm actually wanting to do. Um, and then how do I then change course, change the course of, of how we've done school for, for hundreds of years, which is not helping anyone um, actually change course so that it's actually um, supporting and centering um, particularly black and brown students. Um, so that's that's what I do. And when running comes into helping this, is this because, uh, I mean, you mentioned earlier about a lot of it being about the systems, which we've talked about a lot on this podcast. It's not, you know, as simple as checking this box or that box. There's obviously a lot going on right now in our society, a lot of like push pull back Mm -hmm. and forth, uh, one direction to the other. I mean, I got to imagine this was always a tough role, but especially tough right now. So is running, is it that clearing the mind thing? That, or what is it about running that helps you to, to be able to do your work? Yeah, I think it, it's definitely clearing the mind, right? And definitely like having that routine to start the day. Um, I think I'm also used running to process, right? So particularly when I'm doing um, conversations with with leaders um, and I'm getting, a lot of st- I'm getting a lot of stuff from them. Like I'm getting a lot of like, sometimes excuses. A lot of times I'm getting, um, you know, hopelessness as well. Like, I don't know how to do this. Right. Um, and then, um, and then sometimes I'm also getting just a pushback also, right. Like this is not actually what I, I can't do what you're asking me to do. Right. And so I think, um, I am able to use running to process all of that and like, okay, so how do I, how do I actually approach this next conversation um, in order to be able to, um, to support this leader? I'm also, I mean, I think I do some uh, coaching with, with other leaders of color, um, which are having compounded experiences, right? So they're trying to create a system and they them in a system that that for them is not supportive, right? And so like, oh, yeah. right? And so um, I also a lot of times am able to say like, this is my this is my routine that I use, right? Like I use running in order to help to to be present, to be space. So what's what's going to be your thing that you're going to be able to do to again um, to be present and to stay in your role? So I always try to I don't just focus in on what are kind of the strategic moves that you're making, but I also want to make sure that I'm taking care of the person that I'm supporting as well um, and giving them space and time to figure out how are they going to, to be, how they're going to become healthy every day um, to this, to the work that they're doing. Is running, I mean, that sounds like a lot of like weight on you and, you know, not only, as you said, do you have, are you dealing with this every day and the people that you're working with, but you're also taking on other people's, um, you know, the, the situations and the the systems that they themselves are working against and, and working for, uh, is running the only thing that you have to to help you work through that? Or do you have some other mechanisms and things that you try to use? Because I've got to imagine this time is tough. 
uh, and exhausting. So <laughs> it's incredibly exhausting. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, yeah. And I live in Texas. So, um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. Um, whole nother level. Um, y- yeah. So running is part of it. Like I mentioned before, journaling is a part of it. I also have, I have people, right? So like I have mm. a mentor, um, that I, I connected with literally my first day as a, as a principal and I've, and I haven't let go of him, um, 15, over 15 years later. Um, and so that's somebody that I lean on regularly to talk to just like, this is what's happening. I also have groups of, um, and intentionally other, other black women who are in similar roles or doing similar work that I can talk to, to be like, am I crazy or are they crazy? Right. So I, I do kind of do like a little crazy check um, with with mm-hmm. them um, as well. I mean, so I think those those c- compounded um, together are kind of what keeps um, keeps me going. And sometimes that all those things together work. But like, a you know, like if I was like when I was injured, right, if one thing falls off, um, yeah. I definitely um, feel it. Leaves a big hole. Yeah, sure. Now, when I reached out to you before we started recording and asked about things to talk about, you brought up something that um, I would have wanted to talk about, but obviously wanted to make sure that this is something you were comfortable in in mentioning, in that you have this sport that you enjoy, that you find it helps you in your job, in your life, in your work, but running also is... Uh, there's elements of of racism of um you know misogyny there's all kinds of things embedded in running yeah and so is it always an escape when you're seeing it within the world that you're using as an escape right yeah (laughs) yeah it definitely creates a, a lot of dissonance um yeah right and i think it's you know, to, to, to make that even, to make that concrete. So I live, um, I don't live in Austin proper. I live in a a North suburb. Um, so I live in suburbia in a, you know, planned community. And so, um, pretty diverse, but, but I've also, I mean, I've been, I've experienced, um, being, um, having the Please follow me in my own neighborhood while running, right? Like I've experienced kind of like neighbors walk, you know, crossing the street while running, right? So while I was running. So like it's um, but yet that's that is also just part of the everyday of being in the skin that I'm in, right? Yeah. And so like there's there's a part of um having to just recognize that that's the that's the extra tax that I I hold. Um and how do I still claim it, claim this, this exercise for me, um, even though there may be systems and mechanisms that are not, are not, are not helping me be able to do this fully. Right. And so, and I know that some folks may, you know, a lot of times, like, I know that it's running, especially I run super early in the morning. Right. So I run sometimes when it's pitch blackout. Um, and so, yes, that may be, um, if I'm a woman that that's still not a safe thing, but as a black woman running, um, in the dark in in this, in this neighborhood, I'm my first mechanism, I'm sorry, it's not going to be to, if something happens is to call the police, right. Cause that can, that could go wrong. Right. Um, for me also. Right. But I also feel like my, my resistance that I do every single morning is getting up in the dark and running in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause that space, I, that's my space. I don't 
care how you feel about it or if you're good at whatever, like I'm going to claim it as mine. Um, and so I think that has just been the the moves that I had to make, recognizing that um, it's not always going to, um, right? Like they're not going to, the the space of my neighborhood or the space of kind of the running industry is not going to, um, on a, it's not going to, to um, stop there. It's not stop me. It's not going to create this, this, um, t- they're not going to recreate the table for me. Um, so how do I just kind of build it for myself? Thank you to Inside Tracker for sponsoring this episode of the Running For Real podcast and for taking care of me and so many of my friends through your service that allows us to see what is going on on the inside. Now, we can, as we go through our training, things tend to come up. Some days we feel good, some days we feel bad, but quite often we find ourselves in a state, well, I shouldn't say quite often, sometimes we find ourselves in a state where it just feels like something is off. We just feel like blah, we just feel very tired or fatigued or lethargic and don't really seem to have a reason why. And for me, when that has happened in the past, it is the most frustrating thing because it's not an injury that's causing it. It's not some race that's been, you know, a few days ago that is causing it, but you can't figure out what is going on and it starts to make you wonder Am I broken? What is wrong with my body? Now, this is where I love that Inside Tracker allows you the ability to tell you what is going on in the inside. It will give you that snapshot of your body and give you recommendations of what you need to eat or drink or change about your lifestyle with your restrictions dietarily, with your lifestyle, the way that you live it. It is a fantastic service that allows you to keep track of your markers over time and see how you're improving, see how things are maybe headed in the wrong direction and when it when it expects you to maybe not be ideal and what you can change to do that. I really love this service for being able to keep on top of my body. And friends, if you are international or if you are someone who gets your own blood work done regularly, you can now upload your file, your blood work, results to Inside Tracker so that you can get their recommendations, everything that comes with the service with your own blood work. So if you want to do that, you can still get 20% off that. You can get 20% off everything by going to insidetracker.com forward slash Tina. That's insidetracker.com forward slash Tina. You said there about, um, you know, kind of saying my neighborhood is my place, I'm going to go running here. Now, obviously what happened to Ahmad Arbery, you know, he was out running, maybe not in, he was near a family member, so maybe mm-hmm. not where he lived, but um, did that make you at any point reconsider running in that way? Because you kind of have been saying you're kind of doing it in a, almost in a, like, like I've had Dio Cato and Daryl Murphy have talked about uh, using running as, as a form of protest. So mm-hmm. in some ways you're doing that without kind of officially saying that's what I'm doing, but did yeah. what happened to Ahmad make you reconsider, is this worth it for me or not? Um, I think, I think what, I think actually, I think Ahmad the helped the industry right right bring sure. to light what's already happening right I don't think it was necessarily something new for me right so I think right, right recognizing that this this like again coming getting to the running and kind of going to um to running events in Austin and looking around and be like oh this 
I, there's not that many people that look like me here. Right. Like, um, and right. And having that experience, um, you know, with a police officer in my neighborhood, like, I think those were much more, Mm -hmm. um, pivotal for me and Mm -hmm. because they were personal. Right. So like, if things happen to you personally, you're going to respond to it versus it happening, um, on a much more, um, uh, secondary, um, experience. So I think those were the ones that are just like, okay, I have to, I'm recognizing this space is not designed for me again, right? Another space is not designed for me. Right. So how, how am I going to, am I going to acquiesce? Right. And just kind of like not do it and kind of go back to, to Mm -hmm. the type of, of, of exercise that's, um, much more, already kind of created and designed for me or am I going to, to, to claim it? Right. And so I think that's what it's not, it's not like I don't think twice, three times about how mm-hmm. I am when I leave the door. Right. And kind of like, how am I ensuring that I'm um, being as safe as possible? Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's never, to, I've never um, said, I'm not going to run today because um, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I just want to say, as I I did say it in a weird way with what happened to Ahmad, the murder of Ahmad, I should have said earlier. So I just want to re-add that in there. Um, Let's talk about Marathon Kids. Now, that relates to what you were talking about just there in terms of Marathon Kids is this uh, nonprofit for kids based in Austin. you know, you're obviously, this is a part of doing, of changing things. You said about changing, changing it yourself. It's obviously not going to change for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, giving, giving, uh, children more opportunities to run, giving people them role models to look at who also run. Uh, that's obviously how we get more people into the sport, which then hopefully continues the cycle to bring more people in. Mm -hmm. First, you know, you're on the board. I would love for you to share a little bit about what Marathon Kids is. Um, and it, I said it's based in Austin. Is it just in Austin? Is it, you know, yeah. Tell us a bit yeah. more about that. Yeah. Um, so Marathon Kids is, um, is a nonprofit organization that works um, with you know, people mostly in elementary school. And we actually, yeah, started in Austin, but actually are, are across the country. So we're a, a national organization. Um, and really the, the primary purpose and goal is to get students to get kids to move, right. And to recognize the, the benefits of movement, um, and how it can support, um, all aspects of life. Right. And, and hopefully really being able to turn, um, to, to create lifelong runners, right. Um, into the community. And so, um, and we've, we're in a really exciting time as an organization because we definitely have have this program um, that um, was always kind of an in-person program, a lot of times attached to some after-school programs and some in-school programs. Um, during the pandemic, we were able to really, to actually really um, include families and, and created a, an app in order for families to be able to, to run with their kids. So expanding that, and now we actually just, um, um, was able to acquire a, a local runners club, Austin runners club as part of our organization as well. So now we are not, um, definitely central, still focusing on, on kids, but also have this opportunity to, um, support adults and adult runners and be able to kind of really have a reciprocal, um, relationship with this, um, adult running club as well. And so, um, and have started acquiring local races also, um, we have a, a relays that are coming up 
So, I mean, I think the, the idea here is to how do we, um, again, going back to my experience with, with running, a lot of times um, there are minoritized communities that don't see themselves in particular sports, right? And so if we don't see ourselves in and and we're not introduced to it um, young, then we, we may lose it. Um, or we may, there are a lot of times when students have started running long distance and then at middle school, they get tracked into literally track, right? Um, and they're just right, not able to kind of see like the benefits of, of long distance running. So I think our, our goal here is to be able to see that pipeline from young child all the way up to adult to be able to leverage running um, as a tool for for health, for mental well-being, um, as well um, as for, for just be able to also create community also, right? So although we're a national program, we definitely have very deep roots in Austin, um, and wanting to be able to to have have this um, organization be a, a central meetings um, spot for um, Austin runners to be able to see that you know, and also I feel I feel seen and I feel like I belong um, in the running scene in Austin as well. Yeah, do you have an example for us of maybe a community, maybe an individual, of something of someone that has been transformed through? marathon kids program that comes to mind that's a good question i mean we think we have in particularly in austin Austin isd we have a lot of families i think that have been able to particularly through the pandemic come together in in, in experiencing the program so i think that has been um, what a lot of stories that we have heard is families saying, okay, that this having the access to um, connect with my child during a time when we felt like we weren't yeah. able to move, right? And we weren't able to go anywhere. And like, you know, we had activities, they gave us activities. I loved, um, um, you know, we had like sentence and conversation starters that like, you know, families could leverage with their kids as they were running or walking um, every day. I think those type of, opportunities for connection when a lot of people felt like I'm this is forced connection and sometimes um, I felt like you know I'm feel isolated I think those were um really great stories to hear um yeah. that we were continuing to be able to to bring um add to the connection and add to um the physical activity that a lot for some families was really difficult for them to to be able to tap into absolutely you also were uh, one of the leads for uh, a DEI assessment that Marathon Kids uh, did. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so what we did, it was, it's a it kind of, um, I shared a little bit of, of my story about running um, and that's how I was able to, I connected with Marathon Kids and was able to come on into their board. Um, and um one thing that we was able to walk them through is to really take a step back and to see how are we act are we actually supporting the students that we would say they were supporting right and so yeah. um and um are there ways that we may be um directly or indirectly impacting the diversity of our of our um participants um, and the families and communities that we serve right um and so we were they were we were able to kind of take a deep dive, we were, here, we were able to hear from coaches and hear from families um, and able to kind of look at um, programming and approach to curriculum and just to see, hear from different communities and stakeholders about how can we better serve them and support them. And so some of the things that we heard is like, how do we continue to provide um, 
the curriculum, if we are, if I'm in a community like in, in Austin, East Austin, it has um, multiple languages being spoken within that, within that, in that school yeah. community, are we actually providing access and our materials in all of those languages, right? Um, are we able to actually, when we say, um, you know, that we want to um, support, um, we want the this programming to go through the coaches, are we actually by providing the, the tools and resources for the coaches in order to be successful, right? Are we giving the community, the language and the communication necessary for them to feel supported? Um, and also, are we also um, giving tools? Are we also, you know, you want coaches to, to be able to do this work, but if they are not physical themselves, right. If they're not into running yeah, themselves, yeah. right. Then mm-hmm. it's hard to get kids to be motivated. Right. So again, um, and that goes back to our worker with parents, right? So how we continue to um, support the adults as well as re- in, in as well as supporting the students and the, and the kids that we are is our focus of our work. So I think those are some of the things that that um, came to light through that assessment. Um, and I think we are um, at right at this moment really thinking about what are some ways for us to continue to work with communities um, and really expand our reach um, to communities. Um, that may be um, not being able to have the, don't have the financial access um, to yeah. do the program. Um, and so that's what we're really focused in on. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I mean, it, I, I love hearing that it's, you've been able to expand beyond Austin and, um, and uh, it's obviously a hard task, a hard road ahead, but um, it's really good hearing just some of these impacts coming together and how, the foundations are starting to be built and I look forward to seeing how it continues in the future with that. Um, for someone listening who is hearing what you're saying and thinking, uh, you know, I, I love my running. I wish I could get more people to, um, to see that as we talked about earlier, be it kids, be it adults. Do you have any advice for someone who wants to start something up in their own community, but just feels paralyzed? And I understand you didn't start up marathon kids but uh Mm -hmm. they feel paralyzed like where do i begin what do i focus on uh do you have any advice for that person hmm and i think the the biggest you have to really love it right um and and have a passion for it um i think is is a it seems obvious but um i think a lot of Sometimes we we see something that we want to do and it may not necessarily be completely in our um it sounds good, right? But we don't necessarily like have a, a full passion to it to actually to actually execute against it, right? Um and so I think that having a real love for something um and a real feeling like I can I want to do this, I think is a big piece. I think it's also important to note that um, a lot of times, and I, I do this as well, like I have this great idea um, or I see an issue that I want to um, to tackle and I want to be able to try to solve it. A lot of times there's somebody who's already is Yes. Working on it already. Right. <laughs> you know, so I don't have to create, I don't have to recreate, recreate the, wheel. the wheel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like I don't have to like be the, the, the creator of this or the CEO of this or some, you know, create something new. Like how do I actually, um, and I think this goes back to kind of how I keep going is right. Like I, I need to make sure that I'm not trying to be 
this super person, right? But like, how am I actually creating community, community, creating coalitions or added being a part of a, of a larger coalition to do the work versus thinking I have to be the one doing it by myself, right? Um, and I think that's a huge one, especially when you are wanting to tackle a systemic issue that is, is steeped in a minoritized community. Mm-hmm. Usually those, again, I always, you know, something I, I've been saying lately is like, it's the people that's closest to the problem that actually have the answer. Right. So if, if I'm not closest to the problem, Mm -hmm. I shouldn't be the one leading, Mm -hmm. but I can be a support. I could be an ally. I could be a co-conspirator, but I should not be the one leading. So how do I make sure that I just am being a support to those folks that actually are the closest to the problem that have already probably started the work already? Yeah, I know within the climate movement, there's uh, finally the understanding is coming through uh, and starting to actually be utilized uh, in terms of working with indigenous communities who are the closest to a lot of the uh, negative uh, side effects of, of, you know, things that are damaging to our climate, but recognizing that they actually have very uh, thoughtful solutions ways to to figure this out um rather than yeah some someone in uh, a town 50 miles away saying oh you we should go do this over here uh so i think you know i think that applies across many different areas but i'm glad you brought that up because i think that is often the easy thing well not the easy thing to do but we get this passion we get this fire i'm going to do this i'm going to start my own but when you said as you said there's often people doing the work of, or, or at least often people who have the answers or have ideas. They just haven't had the platform to, uh, to be able to, you know, implement that. So thank you for mentioning that. Um, I would love to just circle back around just to finish up here with your running one fun question. Actually, I'm going to save that for the end, uh, <laughs> coming back into running you, are you, were you someone who would race or did you like to race or did you just, you know, it's for you. You don't need to do races. Oh, I love, I love races. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's so because of, because I started off that way. Yeah. 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 Sure. Do you have one in mind for the first race back? Well, I, I have, um, an entry into the New York city marathon, um, oh. in November. Yeah. Um, so that sounds um, like enough time. I think it made me that exactly when, when my doctor first said August, I'm like, Oh, I'm not quite sure. Um, but, um, yeah, I did it this past year. Um, Mm -hmm. so it was my first, um, New York city one. Um, and it's, so it's really hard to start with New York city. Right. And then do anything else. Oh, that was your Um, first marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Last year. Yeah. 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 You can have a hard time out doing that one. (laughs) Right. I I still think London is better than Oh, come on. <laughs> That's the only other one I see. But, I, okay. you know, you you have a, a strong heart association with New York, as do I with London. So still maybe for you it wouldn't, it wouldn't do it justice. But, yeah, that's yeah. going to be a tough – you're going to find it hard to find anything better, especially as that was your first. That's quite a powerful first. Yeah, um, yeah that's really so. Cool. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to to going back and um, and doing it again. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's great. I love it. Okay, so then to wrap up here, uh, a very serious question. Ladyburg Lake or whatever the 12, yes. 16 different names that Luke has or <laughs> yes. Central Park running. I, I have to do Central Park. 
Yeah. Really? It's, yeah. 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 It, exactly. It may just be nostalgia um, and being feeling like that's my favorite city. Um, but yeah, I don't think. Or is beats. there somewhere else in Austin or in New York? Would you pick that? Still pick Central Park? I would still pick Central Park. Something okay. about that loop, even though those hills, but I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. love it. Yeah. Yes. It feels like it's uphill in every direction. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, Mary, is there anything else you want to share with the running community, with the listeners, uh, today that we have not covered yet about running or otherwise? No, I feel like you covered everything. Yeah. Yeah. I really loved getting to know you. I have admired you from afar for a while. So I really, uh, appreciate being able to have a chat with you and, um, yeah, thank you so much for opening up and sharing with us. And uh, I look forward to following along with all that you're doing in the future and, and hopefully seeing you at New York this year. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed we both stay healthy. Yes, I yes. See you there and anyone else who's listening who's doing that race too. Great. Thank, <laughs> thank you so you. much, Gina. Hi, friends. Just a quick message to say a big thank you to the Running For Real team. While I may be the face of Running For Real and the voice behind the podcast, there are a group of people who are working tirelessly to provide everything that runners could need within our community to make our community stronger, better and evolve and grow and learn from one another. We are working really hard to make Running For Real the place we believe it can be within our community. I just want to take a moment to thank everyone on our team. That is Victoria, Stacy, Sandy, Sally, Maria, Kelsey, Kat, Jeremy, and Erica. I appreciate each and every one of you and the hard work that you put in. Now let's get back to the show. I really love that conversation with Mary and I hope you did too. You can go find links to everything we talked about in the show notes today by going to runningforreal.com forward slash episode 305. I will also put in there some ways to find Mary and I also will put links in there for our sponsors today. Thank you so much for listening, my friends. I will see you on Monday for a together run and on Friday for another of these episodes. I'll see you then.